0: Welcome to the Employment, Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 12 of the Employment, Law and HR Podcast. My name is Alison and I am an employment solicitor and your host for this podcast today. Thanks very much for tuning in. If this is the first time that you are listening to the Employment Law and HR podcast, then welcome. I hope that you find it an interesting podcast for you, whatever your reasons for listening. The aim of the podcast is to provide employment law advice and updates that employers and HR managers might be facing. It's designed to be fairly easy to understand, easy to consume, and not too long, not so long that it will bore you. There are two segments to the podcast. The first is dealing with a particular issue or a particular case, and then I have my HR best practice tip. So I'm going to kick off with this week's featured segment. Now this week's featured segment is going to be about the new shared parental leave rights that came into force on the 1st of December this year, 2014. And although the shared parental leave rights came into force on the 1st of December, so they became law, they're not actually going to be applicable until after the 5th of April 2015. But that doesn't mean that it's not something that's already hot in the news and that employers should be thinking about it because Really what you need to be doing is gearing up for when the changes happen because undoubtedly there will be employees who are pregnant now or whose partners are expecting a baby or who are thinking about adopting or um, in the process of the adoption and they will be thinking about shared parental leave and their rights come April. So as an employer, it's important that you're aware of it now. The reason why it's not applicable right now is that changes are only effective for children who are born or expected to be born or who are placed for adoption after the 5th of April. Employers could start to receive notices of eligibility and the intention to take shared parental leave from employees from January 2015. Now, what does this mean and why has it been brought in? Well, this change is part of the current government's intentions to try to share out parental rights and responsibilities a bit more between men and women. Traditionally as we all know it's the women who takes maternity leave and looks after the children and it's the men who continue to work and what the current government want to do is to try and share that out a bit more and to give employees, parents the option to either of the parents or both of the parents to take time off to care for children and to enable that bonding. There may be some knock-on effects to this new right to share parental leave. In that, um, traditionally, some employers might have looked upon women of childbearing age in a different way when they were making recruitment decisions although that would be discrimination we all know that it has gone on in the past and I'm sure that in some organizations it does still go on but with this now option that men might be able to take the leave or might request to take the leave it might even things out a little bit we'll have to wait and see on that one um, I have my own views um, which I'll come on to a bit later on when I'm telling you about the way that it works As it seems with most employment law these days, with this new right comes new responsibilities and new obligations to follow processes by both employees and employers. Now, given that this is or should be a fairly simple process, there are actually plenty of opportunities for employers to get it wrong. And even I was surprised when I started to review the procedure, the various permutations, the different options that could could arise, the different examples and the different ways of dealing with the requests for shared parental leave. The intention of this podcast isn't to go into the ins and outs of exactly how the process will work because we'd be here all day and I think quite frankly you'd be bored to death but it's just to give you an overview and to tell you a bit about actually how it's going to work in practice. In summary, what will happen is that employed mothers will continue to be entitled to take 52 weeks of maternity leave, which is their current entitlement, and they will be able to take 39 weeks of statutory maternity pay or maternity allowance if they don't qualify for statutory maternity pay. Unless the mother chooses, otherwise, they will just continue in the normal way. And this is the same for adopters. Adopters have the same rights, so one of the adopting parents will stipulate that they will be the the primary adopter if you like and they will continue to be entitled to 52 weeks adoption leave and 39 weeks of statutory adoption pay. The difference will be that in future if they choose to do so an eligible mother, so a mother who qualifies for the right to shared parental leave, can end her maternity leave early and with her partner or the child's father opt for shared parental leave instead. So instead of taking maternity leave, it then becomes shared parental leave. If both parties meet the qualifying requirements, then they need to decide between them, how they want to divide up their shared parental leave and their pay entitlement. Just to clarify, unless the mother or the primary adopter decides to end their leave early, they will just continue with maternity leave in the normal way and won't be affected. A paid paternity leave currently for fathers or um, the adopter's partner will continue for two weeks as it does now. However, additional paternity leave will be removed altogether and replaced by shared parental leave. The first thing to consider in relation to shared parental leave is whether the parents qualify because not all employees or all persons or all parents will qualify to the right to shared parental leave. So in order for a parent to be eligible to take shared parental leave, they must be an employee and they must pass the continuity of employment test. So what this means is that they must have been employed for at least 26 weeks at the end of the 15th week before the week in which the child is due or the week in which the adopter was notified of having been matched with the child or for adoption. And they must still be employed actually at the time when shared parental leave is going to be taken understandably. Not only must they have been at work for at least 26 weeks at the 15th week before the week in which the child is due, they must also have earned above the maternity allowance threshold, which is currently £30 a week in 13 of the 66 weeks. So in order for the parent, the other parent, in the family to qualify for shared parental leave let's just say for argument's sake the father in order to qualify they must have been employed for 26 weeks and they must be earning over the maternity allowance threshold to qualify if both parents satisfy the tests for continuity so if both parents have been employed for 26 weeks then they would be able to make use of the shared parental leave there are some slightly different rules in relation to where one of the parents is self-employed. It doesn't preclude the shared parental leave altogether but it does make things slightly different. So in that situation you would need to get some further advice on whether your employee would qualify for shared parental leave. The next thing to talk about is how an employee goes about notifying you that they wish to exercise their right to shared parental leave. If an employee intends to claims shared parental leave they must give their employer notice which must include how many weeks maternity or adoption leave has been or will be taken, how much leave both parents are entitled to take, how much leave each parent intends to take, when they expect to take their leave and it has to be signed by both parents. The employee does not have to actually take their leave on the dates that they have stated in their notice of entitlement to take shared parental leave but it just gives the employer an idea of what timescale is being considered. In addition to the notice they must also give a declaration from the employee's partner that at the time of the birth they share the main responsibility for the care of the child with the employee, that they meet the employment and earnings test and they consent to the employee taking the number of weeks shared parental leave specified in their notice. So it must also come from the partner as well. If the employee intends to claim shared parental pay during the leave period they must also give you notice to include how much shared parental pay both parents are entitled to take, how much shared parental pay each parent intends to take, when they expect to take the shared parental pay and also another declaration from the employee's partner confirming their agreement to the employee claiming their amount of shared parental pay. This information need not be given separately, it can be included in the notice of entitlement to shared parental leave. So as you can see, there's quite a bit of information both from the employee and the employee's partner that has to be provided to you as the employer before they can take that leave or the pay. In the event that the mother decides that she no longer wishes to use up her maternity or adoption entitlement and to go into shared parental leave at some point in the future, as long as they have given notice that they wish to end their maternity or adoption entitlement and for shared parental leave to start, then the partner can take the leave that overlaps or coincides with the mother's leave. And this is as long as the mother's given an advance notice. So this means both the mother and father could be off work at the same time. And as long as the correct notices have been given, shared parental leave can be taken at any time within the 52 weeks after the date the child is born or placed with parents for adoption. As with the leave, when the mother or the primary adopter decides that they wish to end their maternity or adoption leave, it then changes over to statutory shared parental pay, which is paid at the normal rate, which varies from year to year, but is currently £138.18, or 90% of their average weekly earnings, depending on whichever is the lower. So if there is any of the 39-week pay period left when the uh, primary adopter or the mother decides to end their entitlement, to maternal adoption pay, then the remaining period will be t- taken by the other parent. As I was saying earlier, there are a number of confusing elements of the regulations in relation to shared parental leave. And one of these is that, in effect, an employee can make three separate requests to take shared parental leave. And they can do this by making three separate notices to book leave. So that's one of the initial points. The second point is that if an employee makes an application for shared parental leave and their application is for continuous leave, then as an employer, you must grant their request. So let's just say, for example, an employee says that they intend to take a period of eight weeks leave in one continuous block of shared parental leave. Then they have a legal right to do so and you can't refuse their request. If, however, they request the time off in what's called a discontinuous block, so for instance they want four weeks initially and then three weeks later on and then another four weeks and in between time they're returning to work, you can refuse that request. What this means is if you refuse a request for discontinuous leave then the total amount of leave in the request must be taken as one continuous block unless they withdraw the notice and submit a new request and that's where they can make up to three requests. There are also various timescales for discussions that must take place between employers and employees within the regulations. So let's just take for example a request for discontinuous leave. In this case there is a discussion period of 14 calendar days to talk about the request within which time you can talk about the request and then notify the employee whether it's accepted or not. Another point to note about shared parental leave which may also cause some confusion and which may be the reason why many people don't take up the option of shared parental leave is that if there is a contractual right to enhanced maternity pay for instance let's just take a situation where the um, mother who's due to give birth works for an organization where they pay statutory maternity pay but also on top of this they might pay say six months at full pay rate and six months at half pay rate so that goes over and above what the statutory minimum is now in that situation the employee the mother May not wish to share their shared parental leave or to end the maternity leave and share it with their partner if the partner is only entitled to statutory leave. This may, may also be a problem where traditionally men have generally earned more money than women. Fathers or the male in the relationship may be less inclined to take shared parental leave if they are the higher earner in the family. It may not make economic sense for a family for the father to take leave and to receive only statutory shared parental leave pay I certainly think it's going to be interesting to see how many people actually do decide to utilise the rights to shared parental leave and whether the economics of situations within family does affect it and whether traditional values can change that quickly. I'm sure that we will see a change over a period of time but maybe not so um, immediately. Certainly watch this space, it's going to be interesting developments. Finally, it's important to note that in addition to the shared parental leave regulations, employers should also ensure that they don't discriminate against employees in any way. One of the protected characteristics under the Equality Act is in relation to gender. And therefore, there could be potential arguments where female employees are entitled to enhance maternity pay or enhance benefits that aren't open to fathers who wish to take shared parental leave. This is where it may be necessary to look over your policies and see in which ways you can ensure that they are fair across the board. There could also be a situation where in certain industries, if one of the male members of staff intends to take shared parental leave, that they could become the victim of banter, as it's sometimes called, or bullying, whereby they might be referred to in derogatory ways because they are actually deciding to take some time off to care for their child. As an employer, you need to be aware of this, you need to ensure that you have a good equal opportunities policy in place and that if any complaints are raised in relation to potential discrimination issues as a result of the shared parental leave, that you are dealing with them in the correct manner and in a very timely manner to ensure that this is made clear that this kind of behaviour isn't acceptable. Otherwise, you could find yourself in hot water. Finally the best way of ensuring that everybody who works for you or all the employees and managers understand about shared parental leave is to have a good policy in place. It's important that your policy sets out what is required of an employee, how they can go about applying and what their expectations are for both the employee and for you as the employer. If you need help with your shared parental leave policy then I'd be happy to provide you one if you'd like to contact me or you can leave a comment in the show notes at advice adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 12. Next up is my HR best practice tip and I'm following on from the last few episodes where we have been talking about recruitment and best practice tips for recruitment. My tip this week is in relation to interviews and that is really fairly simple and straightforward, is to ensure that the people who are designated to deal with interviews are fully trained. So they're fully trained on your procedures, they're fully trained on how to interview and get the best out of an interview, but also they understand about equal opportunities, about the Equality Act and what kind of questions they can and cannot answer at interview. It would be no defence to say that you had not authorised your member of staff to ask a particular discriminatory question at interview. Let's just say your employee asks a candidate whether they are intending to take shared parental leave, for instance, if they mention that their wife or girlfriend or partner is pregnant during the interview. You could then potentially run into difficulty if you refuse to employ that employee They and they claim that it is because they indicated that they were taking shared parental leave. This may give rise to a potential claim and you as an employer would not be able to use a defence to say that you'd not authorise that question. You need to make sure that your employees are fully trained and that they're not running into those sorts of issues. There's plenty of great training providers out there or even just some online courses or webinar or even a guidance, guidelines on how to interview would help them. So that's my best practice tip. Not only will it help you to get the right person for the job, it will also help to prevent you running into problems of liability at a later date. I do have a recruitment checklist and a recruitment help guide available to download on my website and they will be at the bottom of the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 12. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast and thank you very much for listening. Thanks again for listening.